and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Since February is the month of love, we wanted to talk about ways to show your sewing supplies some extra TLC this month. They work so hard for us, and in some cases, we may not be treating them as nicely as we could be. And I'm included in, in that group because um, I honestly couldn't tell you the last time I cleaned my machine or even changed my rotary cutter blade, so <laughs> I need to show my supplies a little extra love too. So I'm just going to run through a quick list of common supplies and how to clean and care for them. And if you're feeling really enthusiastic today about this, uh, you can just make your way into your sewing room while I'm talking and do some of these items while you listen. Because honestly, that's how long some of these things take. Just a few minutes. So why do we put them off so long? <laughs> so let's start with your cutting tools for your rotary cutter. In general, rotary cutters should be stored with the blade closed and in a cool and dry location because humidity can cause the rotary cutter blades to rust. And you should be changing your blade periodically. Um, you'll know when it's time because when you're cutting, you may find that you have some uncut threads, which are signs of nicks in the blade or dullness. And you may also start to notice that you have hand or wrist fatigue because you need to push harder each time you cut if your blade is dull. So then each time you change out your blade, just do a quick cleaning of your rotary cutter. So take the cutter apart one piece at a time, laying things out in order if you're like me and you quickly lose track of <laughs> how to put things back together. And then you can wipe each piece down with a clean cloth to remove any lint or residue. Um, and if your cutter is really dirty, you can take a solution of vinegar and water, and that's one tablespoon of vin vinegar to two cups of water. And then you can use a little cotton swab or a Q-tip to just clean all of the parts and pieces of the cutter. Make sure you dry all the parts and pieces before reassembling it to prevent rust. And you can also add one drop of a sewing machine oil around the center of the blade before you reassemble things too. If you're noticing that maybe that center nut um, that holds the blade in place is a little sluggish and turning. Rulers and templates. So these items can pick up oil and dirt from your hands, um, dust and lint from fabrics, and even stickiness if you mark your rulers with uh, like a tape or post-it notes, um, or maybe you're cutting things with fusible. So you can use that same vinegar and water solution that we talked about for the rotary cutter cleaning for your rulers too. Or you can wipe down rulers and templates with a glass cleaner that's safe for plastic. So make sure it says it's safe for plastic. Sparkle is the brand our editors use, which is completely plastic safe. For your cutting mat. 
So over time, your cutting mat can develop a lint buildup. So if you find this has happened to yours, you can just use an eraser to rub the mat to kind of remove any of those stuck threads or lint that are on your mat. But if your mat seems like it needs a deeper clean, so maybe it has pencil marks or sticky residue, you can actually wash your cutting mat with a few drops of a mild dish soap in room temperature water and a soft bristle brush. So you don't wanna to scrub too hard. You don't wanna expose the cutting mat to any temperature extremes with the water. You just wanna do a little wash, rinse it with water, and then dry it right away. And then cutting mats should be stored flat. Um, so if you have any extra cutting mats you have lying around, or maybe you don't have a permanent home for your cutting mat, um, consider hanging it in a closet from a pants hanger with those clips. That's my favorite way to do it. Um, and then also just storing your cutting mat out of the sun helps keep their self-healing properties working. And of course, if you need another reason to change your rotary cutter blade often, using sharp blades will help your cutting mat last longer because you're not having to push down as hard. Um, so those dull blades can cause permanent indents or even holes in your cutting mat over time. For scissors, just take a quick moment to designate your scissors in your sewing space, either for fabric or paper. Some people like to use it for both, but it's better to have separate ones if you can. And then to sharpen your fabric scissors, cut through a piece of sandpaper or several layers of aluminum foil multiple times and then wipe the blades clean. Some local quilt shops actually allow you to make an appointment to get your scissors professionally sharpened. So if you have a really nice pair, um, you know, maybe one of the more expensive kinds and you want to keep it in tip-top condition, uh, consider asking around at your local quilt shops to see if anyone offers that service. Now let's move on to your ironing board. So if you tend to use a lot of fusible products, spray starches, fabric spray, um, it's important to clean your iron and your ironing board frequently. So for your ironing board cover, um, you want to just refer to the washing instructions that maybe came with it um, and replace it as you're needed. Um, so the one on my ironing board right now has some holes and burn marks. Um, so it's really time for me to buy a new one. And there are a lot of different ways to clean your iron. Uh, so you should also refer to your manual if you can for the best way for your iron that won't damage it um, or its protective coating because a lot of irons are different. Um, but in general, you can wipe your iron with a damp cloth to remove dirt and dust while the iron is off. And then you can turn the iron on high and rub the sole plate with a dry towel until all the buildup is removed. There are also special cleaners out there to get dirt and grease off your iron. Um, and then for my iron, I like to fill the water reservoir um, that I use for steam with a half vinegar and half water solution. And then I turn the steam setting onto high and just steam it over a towel. And then any residue will come out with the steam 
And then I just take a little Q-tip to wipe down the steam holes on the iron and the little opening where I pour the water into the iron to just make sure everything's clean. There's no um, kind of dirt or mold buildup that can sometimes happen if you're using steam in your iron often. And that just keeps everything clean in there so your iron isn't sputtering out uh, dirty marks on your fabric. Um, but I actually would be so curious to know how people clean their irons because there are so many different ways. Um, so I've heard people use dryer sheets, uh, newspaper and salt, vinegar and baking soda, um, and other interesting solutions. So if you have a great way to clean your iron, send me an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com, and that's listed in our show notes, and tell me your preferred method. Um, I'd really love to compile them all into a list to share on a future show. Okay, next let's talk about your sewing machine. So you really should be cleaning your sewing machine regularly, um, and each machine is so different, so you really want to reference your sewing machine manual for the details, or even schedule a professional servicing with your machine's dealer. Uh, but in general, you just want to clean the surface of your machine and inside your machine from any lint, dust, and thread. And that simple step, even though <laughs> It sounds like a pain and I always put it off. It can really save your machine from just a variety of issues. And if you're tempted to blow into your bobbin case or blow into the machine to make the dust fly out, uh, think again. That can actually compact the lint tighter into your machine and cause more issues. So you just wanna use that little brush that comes with your machine or even a chenille stem that you can find at the craft store to just carefully remove all that lint. So I usually only clean my machine when I'm having tension problems, uh, which I know is such a bad habit. So I think I need to start setting a reoccurring reminder on my phone or add it to my calendar on the first of every month so that I'm at least cleaning my machine monthly. And for most other supplies you use, there are just some general storage rules to help keep things clean overall. So keeping things out of the sun to prevent fading or kind of making things brittle, um, keeping things in a cool and dry place to prevent rust and mold, um, and keeping things in containers with covers or in drawers to prevent dust buildup. So this can, these kind of rules apply to things like pins, thread, any of your marking and cutting tools, um, your starches and fusibles, and even your extra sewing machine parts. And my last word of advice on this topic is to dust and vacuum your sewing space frequently. So I have really bad allergies, so I'm very aware of what the dust in my sewing room does to my lungs, uh, but dust can also damage your fabric and your supplies. So don't skip on the general cleaning of your sewing space. So I dust and vacuum my space weekly to pick up all the threads and lint on the ground and just to make sure all of my workspaces and my shelves are just clean and just like a reminder that the dust buildup um, close to outlets, 
um, sewing machines or irons or really anything electrical or hot can also be a fire hazard. Um, so watch for those spots that there might be dust build up like under your sewing machine close to an outlet that you might not clean often because it's hard to get to or vacuum often, but um, that can be a safety hazard. So just want to regularly upkeep all of that dust as best you can to keep your home safe, your supplies safe, and really protect your own health. So we're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're chatting with the designer, Charisma Horton. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. I am so excited to be chatting with Charisma Horton next. Charisma has been a designer in our magazines for a few years now, and she's the designer of our 2022 Quilt Along Quilt, which we'll talk about during the interview. Charisma entered the quilting industry with a full creative force, and we can't wait to talk to her about all the amazing things she has coming in this upcoming year. So let's get to it. Thanks so much for joining us, Charisma. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So let's start off with you telling us kind of how you got your start quilting and how your brand Charisma's Corner came to be. Well, years ago, I uh, was working in a clinic with one of my best friends from high school and her mom happened to work in the same clinic. And on her lunch break, she would stitch these little embroideries. And so I just asked her one day if she could teach me how to do those. And she did. And then all of a sudden I had all of these little stitched, uh, you know, stitcheries and I needed to figure out how to put them together. So then I asked my grandmother-in-law at the time, she used to go yard selling every Friday. It was a thing for her. <laughs> so I said, can you um, find me just a sewing machine? Cause you know, I don't know what I'm doing. If this is like the nineties, I'll, I'll preface that by saying, and <clears throat> So she's like, oh no, Charisma, I just bought a new computerized machine from the Costco. So I'll give you my machine that I got for my um, wedding, you know, 50 years ago. And she had it serviced. It was in a desk, everything. She brought it over. And that's what I learned how to sew on. And this, of course, is before YouTube and, you know, all of these things. So I would go to the quilt store or the grocery store and buy the quilt magazines and kind of taught myself how to sew. I didn't know what a quarter inch seam was, you know, all that. So anyway, I just kind of learned on my own and figured it out. And so those two ladies, I give a lot of credit to because they helped me. And then um, about... 2010-ish, it was maybe a little bit before then, I started my long arm quilting business and I just had like a little corner of my my little corner of the world and my little corner of the room. So I just called it Charisma's Corner and that's just kind of how it all started. So 
I love that. Do you still have that original machine she gave you? I do. I do. I can't get rid of it because it's just so sentimental to me. And she's since passed and she was such a good woman to me that, you know, I don't know. It just holds a lot of sentimental, um, things. And it's an old Ricard and I had to oil it all of the time. I learned all of that stuff because, you know, when you're sewing along and then all of a sudden it stops, I'm like, nobody told me, <laughs> you know? So anyway, thank God I didn't ruin it or anything. But, um, so then I learned how to like oil everything and clean everything and whatever, but it still runs today. So yeah, it's just been a hearty little machine. I love it. Those old ones just go forever. Yes. Yeah. So you are just such a prolific quilter. Every time I am on Instagram, you're posting away new quilts you've made, new patterns you have. So I'm wondering where you get all of your inspiration from. And once you have that inspiration, kind of what the design process looks like for you. You know, it's different no matter what. So before I was like a designer, I would just pick whatever fabric. It just like didn't matter, you know, and my design process, I don't know if you would have told me, cause I released my first quilt pattern in December of 2018. And if you would have told me, cause now I have about 300 published, um, patterns that I had that many, I would have been like, there's no way right. Because designs build on one another. Like you learn one thing and then you're like, Oh, that's so amazing. And then, Oh, I could do this or I could do that. So part of it is just playing. And I think a lot of us forget to do that as adults is that, you know, if I switch this around or if I break this rule, you know, what will that do? And so part of it is just playing. Part of it is like conforming to, okay, somebody behind me has to be able to understand this or be able to accomplish this. So Um, so I will have to fix this to make that accomplishable. So then it turns into something different than your original idea or, you know, something like, so there's just a lot of factors that go into that. But, um, but I think honestly, there's just inspiration everywhere. Like one of my designs is based off of a floor that I saw at a train station or, you know, just there's inspiration absolutely everywhere and nature and just well fabric I love fabric and so fabric will just inspire a design so there's just a ton and as far as being prolific I've always kind of been prolific because I am a mom of six kids and I mean they're all the last one just left for college but Um, I had to do everything in an assembly line kind of style while my kids were being raised. So my mind just thinks that way. Everything is an assembly line. So I get a lot done because that's just the way that my mind works. I had to do that to run the tight ship of everybody needs a bath. Let's check that off. Let's, you know, do this. I serve their meals, assembly line style, you know, like everything had to be (laughs) that way to have order, right? Because there's a certain amount of chaos just with that many kids anyways. So you have to create a little bit of order. So that's just kind of how I run my business too. Yeah. And do you Uh, use like a software to design things or paper? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I use EQ8 and I also use some Adobe stuff because I do a lot of, uh, well, uh, not a lot, but I do some embroidery designs. So I draw all those in illustrator and, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah, I use a, a few different programs, but most of the time for my regular quilts, I use EQ8. 
Yeah. So. And do you have like multiple patterns happening all at once or do you do oh, one absolutely. at a time? Yeah. You're good at multitasking. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't even think that I know how to do one task at a time. I think that I'm so trained that um, I typically have, you know, three or four things going all at once, you know, so, um, and design, I'll just be in the mood to design. So then I'll just sit down and batch out some designs because, you know, something sparks me and then, oh, how does this work? Oh, that's a great design. But what if I tweak this, you know, part of it or whatever. And so then before you know it, you have, you know, three or four designs. It just kind of works like that for me. So that's amazing. I'm just so impressed. Thank you. (laughs) Considering you didn't publish your first one until 2018, 300 something is a lot of patterns. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's, it's nuts. I, I couldn't have predicted that myself. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's pretty amazing, really. Yeah, I yeah. think about, I mean, cause I, at the end of the year, you know, at the end of the year, you'll do a, just kind of looking back. And I thought this year I did 93 patterns and I thought, how is that even possible? I don't know, because, you know, you have to sew all of those samples, you have to, you know, and well, I'm a long arm quilter. So obviously that's easy for me. I have three machines. So I, you know, I'm quilting all of the time anyway, but it, it is just it seems just crazy to me that I'm able to do all of that. Yes. I'm very excited for everything you do. <laughs> um, okay. So I want to talk about fabric a little more because when I look at your designs, you use a lot of solids. Um, and I struggle so much with using solids because you have to, I think have such a great color sense because when you're using solids, you cannot hide behind pattern and prints and design, you have to be kind of right on with your colors and how those factor into the overall design. So as someone who is scared to use solids, I'm hoping you can offer some tips on working with solids or choosing color palettes. Well, the thing about solids is, you know, the funny thing, the reason why I started using solids is because we just talked about how prolific I am, right? So if you put a pattern or a line of fabric on the pattern cover, you have to constantly keep updating it, right? And if I just used solids, that's something that pretty much every quilt shop carries is solids or blenders. So then that made it so that I would have to do less work because, you know, can you imagine um, taking a hundred patterns and making a new sample and photographing them every season mm-hmm. or, you know, every other season, that would be so much work. So, um, that was the original thing. It was just pure out of like necessity that I had to do that. But most of my designs rely on color. If you kind of look at them, like our, uh, we'll be talking about later is the, um, twice the fun quilt, there are two blocks that um, it's just a two block quilt, but the way that the colors go together, um, they work as a team and they create the secondary design. And that's sort of what I started playing with is the color. And so when you're um, a big majority of your design relies on color, you um, start to play with that a little bit. And what I love about solids is that you can get that graduation of color from light to dark and sort of play with that. And sometimes you can get some unexpected results. So it could be that secondary design, or it could be like this 3D element 
um, just by playing with those shades or hues of color and seeing what else you can bring out of a pattern. And I think it's funny that in the beginning, I heard that a lot is so many people were afraid to use solids. And I just thought, why are we afraid to use solids? Because I, I guess I know that um, prints and things hide a lot of our mistakes, but also they aren't as bold sometimes, right? I mean, if you just have this saturated bit of color, you get this like really bold um, thing, or you can like really touch it down just by using some muted tones and make it very soft and beautiful. So really the color is the um, catch-all for everything. Even if you're using the prints color, you know, you can hide a lot or accentuate a lot just with color. And the other thing about that is, you know, in the beginning when I was using this a lot, I would, you know, pitch to magazines and they never wanted me to use solids. They would always make me change it and I'd have to find a line. And then the pandemic happened and solids were the only thing that were available. Right. And so they're like, okay, go ahead with the solids. Well, now, like, I think the solids are starting to come around. And what I think is great about that is that I'm like, was I ahead of the curve or like who could have predicted, <laughs> you know, all of that. But um, I think it's great because it makes us focus on the design and the color a little bit more than just looking at a line of fabric. And even though I love fabric, I mean, obviously I have the stash to prove it, but um, sometimes if we look at, uh, if we start focusing on one area, it will help the other area, right? It's just kind of refining our skills. So dabbling in this and that will help us in the long term with our, our art of the things that we work on. So I don't know, I think just dive in and play and see what you can come up with. I love that. Yeah, I think um, that uh, solids became kind of like a modern quilt thing or kind of got associated with the modern quilting um, kind of world early on. And I think now it's starting to come around to everyone because quilters like to play with color, like to play with different fabric. And I think there's a lot of companies doing great fabric lines of solids and tone on tones that are close to solids. So we can feel a little more comfortable playing with all of the types of fabric out there. Before we continue, we have to take a quick ad break, but I'll be right back with more from Charisma. Do you use color cards when you're choosing fabrics? Like I found like sometimes when I buy solids online, it does not match the picture. And then I feel like things have to change right. on my end. Right. So I do, I get sent them regularly, but I kind of don't because the chances of you going going into a shop. And I mean, there's a few shops obviously that carry every single color of a certain brand or something like that, but that is so rare. And so what I just kind of do is, you know, if it's, I just kind of tend to um, work in the same palette. So if I'm working with uh, pastels, I'll work with pastels or um, if you want those muted tones or whatever. And then I just try to find the closest thing to it. And then, you know, the other thing with sort of right now supply chain issues is, um, you know, even though a lot of companies will carry one line of something, you know, they've had to like kind of branch out and carry maybe two lines 
you know, so if I can make it work with the two brands or whatever to get the color that I want, then I will. But I, um, I don't want to rely on the color cards too much just because I do live in a small town. I have to order stuff. And, um, so if I can just get it close enough, it works out for me. So I love it. (laughs) Okay. Well, you did mention the twice as fun quilt, which is our official 2022 American Patrick and quilting quilt along. So we're so excited that you designed that quilt for us. Um, and so we wanted you to talk a little bit about the inspiration behind that quilt, because we didn't get to kind of, uh, talk much about all of your thoughts behind this quilt in the magazine and maybe some of what you love about this quilt. Well, I love it's, a it's, um, hues of blues and teals, right? So that's two colors. And we're take, we've taken, you know, five or six shades of each of those colors. And um, one is one block and all of the blues are in one block and all of the teals are in one block. But so it's a two block quilt. But if you look at the quilt, they blend together so well and they work together as a team, the two blocks, because without the one, you can't create that secondary design. So that's sort of what I was talking about with the playing of colors and design, Um, so there's like the darks, the lights and the mediums. And without those three, um, hues or shades of, of each of those things, you're not going to be able to create that fabulous look of that. If you use a lot of patterns or something, you're going to, you're going to create a different design, which is great, but you're not going to get those subtle changes and that secondary design. And I just sort of love that. I love when you can take two blocks and they become this team and it's sort of like, you know, uh, in a family, you know how like one person's really good at this and another person's really good at that. And then you can create this really great um, recipe or something that is better with the two of you than it was, you know, before. And I just love that whole concept of everything. I love when those, you know, all of the stars align and <laughs> you get that magic created. So that's sort of how that happened. And honestly, with that quilt, you could change the two colorways if you wanted to do shades of one of the blocks, do shades of black and gray, and then, you know, do shades of red in the other, or, you know, you're going to get the same results. And so I just really love that. So if blue and teal aren't your colors, change them. It'll work. It's totally going to work. So choose your favorite colors and, and personalize it and make it your own. Yeah. And I love your message about two things, two different blocks coming together to form something more beautiful than just what they were individually. And I think that can apply to a lot of things in life, especially right now. Um, So I hope when people are making this quilt, they can meditate a little on that message and, and find where that fits in their life. Yes, me too. So let's talk about 2022, because you have a lot of exciting things coming up this year, which if we can even imagine you beating 90 some patterns published in the last year. (laughs) So I wanted you to have time to talk about the fun things you have coming up. So our listeners can join in with, with what you have coming. Well, I have the, um, twice as fun. So along with, um, American patchwork and quilting, all people quilting, 
but I also have um, Fabulous. Fabulous is a block of the month that I did with Michael Miller and Rob Appel and I have videos coming out on the first Wednesday of every month. And it's just been such a great project. We started it last year. It launched in September um, as far as like shops ordering and, you know, getting all of that. And then the first video launched in January. And it's just been such a fabulous experience to have all of that. And, um, and also I am going to Missouri star in a couple of weeks and I'm hosting a retreat there and I'm doing some other things that I don't know that I can say what they are, but (laughs) let's just say that I will be, um, making my debut somewhere. So I know I'm so excited about it. So we'll, um, and I have some other projects, some block of the month that I'm working on and some other things happening. I, I just couldn't have imagined it myself, like all of this stuff sort of happening at once. So it's been such a great experience. And I've just met so many, you know, wonderful people along the way that are willing to help me and encourage me and, and work with me along the way. So it's been just fantastic. Well, everyone will need to follow you on social media so they can keep up with with all the exciting things you have coming. I can't wait to hear more. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. So I wanted to end the interview with just some rapid fire questions. Just the first things that come to mind. Okay. Um, so describe your style of quilts in three words. Uh, bold, colorful, and modern. Love it. Um, what's one of your popular patterns um, that our listeners would love? I would say live boldly. Live boldly. Okay. Um, what's your favorite quilt block? You know, before I was a designer, I would have said the nine patch because I'm just sort of a simple gal like that. But after designing, I would say the hourglass block. So many of my quilts use hourglass because it's so versatile. And I just, I don't know, I like that that fountain of, you know, creativity comes from that block for me. So the hourglass. Yep. Uh, what's something in your quilting life that you're especially thankful for? I would say the community really. I've, I've had such a great um, community of followers that didn't even like know me in person, but have just followed me through this journey. And I'm just so thankful for that. And I just think the quilting community is so generous and kind. And I've just had such a great experience with the whole thing that um, the community is probably my most favorite thing. Yeah. And lastly, what's a goal you have for 2022? I just want to keep designing and I just want to keep inspiring people and doing beautiful, making beautiful things. Like that's just sort of my whole goal for um, my business is that I just want to create beautiful things and inspire people and put good things out into the world. I think we need that right now. Agreed. And I think you are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much for chatting with me today, Charisma. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much to Charisma for talking to us today. She's just so prolific and just her energy and enthusiasm for her designs and fabric is just really inspiring and motivating. So we're sharing more details about the Quilt Along 
on next week's episode. But if you want a little head start on the quilt, you can visit our show notes for more details. And we'll also link to Charisma's website and social media accounts so that you can connect with her more. And that's it for today's show. And just a reminder that we're working on our special Ask Us Anything episode to air in March, so we would love to know all of the questions our listeners have. So anything about quilting techniques, storage, about our jobs or personal sewing, anything sewing or quilting related, we're really open to answering anything. So please email me your questions at apqpodcast at meredith.com. That email is listed in our show notes so that we can start compiling a list. I look forward to hearing from everyone and I'll chat with you all next week. Hi all and thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.